1: But the Lord said to me, because I was like, Lord, I need a word. I need the word you have for us. And I heard him say, and the fire of God went through my body. He said, why are you here? And it shook me, because that's what he's saying to his body in general. Why are you here? Why are you here? And my husband said, You give it to them like you were talking to me, because he could he had tears in his eyes. So I don't know. <laughs> I, I just came out of the prayer room with this fire on me of why are we here? And since Pastor Martin's here, I'm gonna use him. You're not here because of Pastor Martin. If you are, you're here for the wrong reason. You're not here because of Pastor Sluter. Because if you are, you're here for the wrong reason. You're not here unless you're a child, because your parents are here. They have to be here. But you got to be here for the Lord Jesus Christ. He's your rock. He's your fortress. He's your high tower. Don't be here for another person. Be here for him. So the Lord said to me, say, why are you here? Let that get in. Ask yourself that question. Why am I here? Because if you don't know your why, you're going to live aimlessly. You're going to go from this thing to that thing. This, not that you all go from church to church, but from church to church or from message to message or from preacher to preacher. They're not the ones that died for you they're not the ones that are going to save you in the end and when you get before the lord of glory you're not going to be able to give an excuse right we're not going to be able to you can say amen if you want i know it's a hard word it beat me up since january (laughs) but it's a good word because we're building on a firm foundation jesus is my foundation not roger roger's my husband I'm blessed from God to have Roger as my mate and my partner and my husband, but Jesus Christ is my foundation. He's the one that died for me. He's the one that delivered me. He's the one that saved me, and he's the one I'm going to stand for at the end, and I want to hear, well done, my daughter. Well done. I'm like, Lord. Why am I here? I got to search my heart. So we're going to look at, as you can see up there, Matthew 7. Because we're just staying in Matthew because that's where I've been all two months. Which is good because Matthew 7 says, 24 and 25, therefore, this is what Jesus said. Now remember, he's Starting on the mount with the Beatitudes, and he's going from, it's all in red, you can tell. He's going from giving them all these words, and he ends it with this. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Verse 25, and the rain descended. How many got some rain in their life? The floods came. Some of us got some floods. And I'm not talking flood water-wise. I'm talking all kinds of things that happen in our lives. And then the winds blew. So not only did the rain descend, the floods came, then the wind blew. And what did it do? It beat that house, but it did not fall. For it was founded on the rock. So our foundation is the Lord Jesus. He is the living word. So we're hearing his word. Now let him examine, are we doing his word? Because see, we say a declaration. I don't have that declaration memorized. I wish I did. But I believe this is the whole word of God. Old and new. I believe this is the living word of God. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It's going out. It's coming back in. It's piercing us. And it's separating soul and spirit and the intents of our hearts. So God wants to do some intent searching in our hearts today. So why are you here? And are you hearing and doing his words? That's a good question. Because, you know, in 26 and 27, it goes on to tell us "Mm, I can't see that. But whoever hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Now, my husband was an iron worker for 40 years, so I asked him a little bit about building. Will I be able to interpret what he said as well? I don't know. But he said, like the high-rises in Chicago, when they build those, they, they, go, they dig down into the bedrock. They got to go way deep. So how, how deep are your roots today is what I'm asking you. How deep down are you going into the Word and then doing it? we got to be doers of the word, not just hearers or sayers. You can quote scripture, but it's your love walk that's the doing it. How well are you living love? You know, we all want revival. We want the manifest presence of God. The the, um, message that was preached on that Wednesday was about living love from Romans 12, 9 through 21, which I was going to end with, but I'm not. Read that passage. Prayerfully read that passage. Love without hypocrisy. You know, it's one thing to love your family. It's another thing to love your enemies. We're going to look at what Jesus said about loving our enemies. And that doesn't necessarily mean your enemy is, is you know evil it could be someone who kind of rubs you the wrong way their personality aggravates you at work that that can be an enemy because it stirs you up you know anything that triggers you and stirs you up gets us fired up if it ain't fired up in the holy ghost it ain't jesus so then, this guy builds his house on sand, and you know, you live in Portage, so you know what sand is. <laughs> and the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house, and it fell. And great was the fall because it wasn't built on the rock. And our rock is Jesus. He's the cornerstone, the capstone. We build on Him, He's the foundation of the church. This is His church. You know, our emeritus pastor and our lead pastor, they're they're shepherds of his. He's the head shepherd. And we don't don't, um, come to church just because who's preaching. We come because we want to worship the Lord. I want to worship Jesus. That's why I shout out Jesus, because I love him. He saved me. I don't do it so people hear me. I don't care if you hear it or not. I have a little voice. I do it because I think of that. The guy that was up in the tree, Zacchaeus, he got up there. He's probably short like me. Couldn't see all you tall people. Probably. So he's hollering out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And what did Jesus do? He stopped. That ain't in my notes either. You got to not care what other people think when you're worshiping because you're here for Jesus you ain't here to look good you know it's nice to dress well it's good smell good you know but that's not why you're here you're here to worship you're here to you're here to come to the house of the Lord get built up our mission fields out there right we're supposed to be family If you're a blood-bought child of God, you're my family, every one of you. And then we go out those doors. That's our mission. Not to draw attention to ourselves, but to draw them to Jesus. Amen? Amen? So who are you here for? Did I read that yet? I don't think I did. Matthew 6, 24. Who are you here for? No one can serve two masters. You can't serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other. Or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. Now, Y'all got to work, you know, because we got to eat. But it's a heart motive. That's what Jesus was going at. A heart motive. What are you here for? Why are you here? And whose kingdom are you building? If... If money is more important than your love for Jesus, you'll hold on to your money. You'll use your money as a power and control thing. I want this, I want that, I want this, I want that. It's hard to give when money is your God, because then you gather it all up. Whose money is it really? What was that? God's. God gives us the ability to make wealth. But Pastor Martin said it. Not to hold on to. This isn't a message about giving. This is about your heart. Jesus is after our hearts because He wants us built on the a firm foundation. Because the storms of life are coming. He said, before I even knew I was preaching, foundations are being shaken. We all have things in our lives that rattle us and rattle where, where we're at. Can I have my water, please? Um, those are your foundations getting, getting shaken. Thank you. Going through a health crisis. Did God put it on you? No. No. Amen. But we still we live in a world where there's sickness and disease. I think some of the foods we eat kind of poisons us. As my personal opinion, but you know, not that it matters. So, who do you serve? That's a good question. Who do you really serve? Just let this, let the Holy Spirit just touch your heart. Because I'm not here to beat you up. I'm just giving you what God gave me. I'm like, really, Lord? Last time I spoke on grace. <laughs> we need the grace to hear and do. So apply that. Hear and do. And you know, you know, I know my husband's hard of hearing. So he'll hear I've said something but he can't hear my squeaky little voice. Maybe I should get a microphone for home. (laughs) That would be good, wouldn't it? (laughs) So sometimes he'll repeat back what I said. It is not what I said. I I say it to him all the time. If it don't make sense, I didn't say it. My point is, you can hear something and not really hear it correctly. It's always wisdom to ask the Lord when you hear something, where's that in the word, right? Got to line it up with God's word. If it don't line up with his word, pfft, let it go. So whose kingdom are you building? Matthew six thirty-one through 34. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? I had to use this this morning because I started worrying I had the wrong word. Isn't that the enemy? I'm like, Lord, this is a hard word. You sure this is the right word? (laughs) So I had to reread it. For after all these things the Gentiles seek, don't worry about what you drink and eat and wear. Don't worry about the things that the enemy tries to press you down with. It's trusting the Lord. It's hard to wait when you're waiting on something, isn't it? It's all easy when it's a good day and everything you know, everything's going smooth. Praise the Lord. It's another day when you're facing life situations, hard situations. That is when the rubber meets the road. That's when you know if your foundation is on Jesus Christ and his word or if it's on your job, your health. family amen because God cares about every one of us he doesn't allow things to happen to harm you he's always making us Christ-like he's always working in us but you know some of us can you know fight it a little bit you know who likes to wear a scratchy sweater with a tag poking you in the neck Anybody? Not one person raised their hand. Oh, Christina likes scratchy sweaters. (laughs) Was that you up there, Christina? (laughs) No, no, because it makes you want to squirm a little bit. Hard things make us squirm. That shows you where your foundation is. That shows you, are you trusting the Lord? Now, I'm not one of those be positive kind of, you know, only positivity, because that will mess you up too. If you don't tell us you're hurting, how can we pray? Right? If we don't know you have a need, how can we help you? Toxic positivity, just say it positive, stay positive. Don't ever say you're hurting. Well, that's not in the Bible. God cares about your needs. But your heavenly Father knows that you need all those things. That's reassuring. He knows what we need. He knows you're going to need it before you know you're going to need it. I love that. He knows your thoughts before you think them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore... Don't worry about tomorrow. Well, that's easier said than done. One of the the best ways to not worry about tomorrow is to speak the word over tomorrow, especially if you're facing something. What's my tomorrow? My tomorrow is in the hands of the Lord. He knows my steps. He goes before me. For tomorrow will worry about its own things, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I mean, we can, worry will take you on a path and build a nest, and you're hanging out in it, and it never even happens that way. Can anybody, yeah, learned this one from my grandmother. (laughs) It's my tissue. So worry doesn't really produce anything valuable in your life or in the kingdom. It just drags you down, makes you feel like, you know, hunched over, burdened down. But the truth is, God cares for you. So if you're facing stuff, speak his word of that he cares for me. God, God cares enough for me. When we went to the prayer conference, it was wonderful. And Friday night, when we got back to our hotel, my neck wasn't hurting wasn't hurting and roger's back wasn't hurting thursday night we left like we were old because we are but <laughs> he could barely get to the car and i couldn't hardly move but friday night we got we got some freedom and i got even more freedom up there from the lord because he cares yeah. he does. so what are you here for Matthew six, nineteen through twenty-one. Do not lay up, now these are Jesus' words that He's sitting on the mount talking to thousands of people. Don't do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So my question is, what's most valuable to you? That's your treasure. What's most valuable to you? Treasures are people. Jesus died for people. He died for us. And he died for all the people out there. We have a big old community that we got to reach. But we need people who are listening and doing to reach the community. Don't say, I'm too old, because you're not. I mean, God took me through MIP at 62. Who would have thought? Yeah, it was the glory of God that got me through, the grace of God. People are a treasure. And he cares how we treat people. So what are you here for? I think I had this, uh, I think I had this messed up on the tiles, don't I? Nope. Here we go. What are you here for? Is your light shining or is it hidden? Matthew 5, 14, 16. You are a light of the world. That's what the New King James says. You, each one of you who are born-again believers, have the light of Christ in your life. So when somebody comes up to you, they can see light. Or they can see darkness. Because if the eye is dark, excuse me, the light is not coming through the eye then. You are a light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Oh, Lord, here we go. Are you hiding? We can't hide. we got to let our light shine. That doesn't mean you got to be, you know, Going at each person you meet, that means you got to look like Jesus, talk like Jesus. Jesus was loving and kind. You know who he was the hardest on? The religious. Because they were, what did he call them? Um, whitewashed tombs? That doesn't sound very nice, does it? I'm like, Lord, I don't want to be a whitewashed tomb. It doesn't sound so good. It means there's like nothing in there. Is that what that means? I keep looking at Pastor Martin. <laughs> He's got a smile on his face. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine. Let your light so shine. i go back to where it is, because... Let it so shine. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds. Oh, you mean we don't have to tell them our good deeds? No. People can see the light. People watch. They really do watch. But you know what's more important? The Lord's watching. He watched that little woman put the widow's mite in the treasury. He watched her put her money in the treasury and then told them all. She gave her all. I don't even know how small a mite is. She takes her poverty and puts it in the treasury because she wasn't giving To them, she was giving to the Lord. She gave her whole heart, everything she had. And who noticed? Jesus noticed. So don't think Jesus Jesus don't notice what you're doing. When you're you're going through something, Jesus knows. And he's up, the Bible says he's the intercessor. So he's praying for you. He's praying for each one of us. Father, I know they're going to make it. They're my child. Father, keep working in their lives, making them Christ-like. That's the whole plan, to make you Christ-like. Because if you're building your own kingdom, it's going to fall. If it don't fall here, when you get there, it'll be gone. Jesus is calling. <laughs> so on January 22nd, during one of the silence and solitudes, because um, we started in January, we did two in January, this is what the Lord sp- spoke to me. He said, my body, I don't mean just us, he said, my body has fought against itself Long enough. False prophets have arisen. But I am cleansing my body through the washing of my word. And what do we see in Asbury? That's a Methodist. We see worship straight to Jesus and the word and prayer and repentance. He's washing his body, including us, because we're the body of Christ. But he's washing his body in America with his word, the purity of his word. Because we need it. Because sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes I get aggravated. You know, has anyone ever been aggravated? Come on. I know I ain't the only one. Anyone ever had a bad attitude? Anybody ever been angry? And let it go a little bit farther than just... Mm -hmm. So where are you today? Matthew 7, 1 through 5. This is what Jesus is asking us. Where are you today in hearing my word and doing my word? Judge not, you know it's the easiest time to judge? When you're in your car. We all have that. When they cut you off, you think, what? Hello, the speed limit is four or five. (laughs) Judge not that you, that you be not judged. You mean what we sow, we reap? So if I'm judging, I'm judging Pastor Martin or Roger, that judgment's coming back on me. Don't sit there thinking all self-righteous, you don't ever judge. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit when we all come up here to search our hearts. Because this is, he wants to know why are you here. He wants to show you why you're here. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. That's scary. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So this gets even better. Here we go. Notice the planks. And why do you look at the speck, a speck, in Roger's eye, (laughs) in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye? Hypocrite. He called them hypocrites. Can you imagine if someone's up here and they go hypocrite to a bunch of people? Man, that preacher would be in trouble, wouldn't he? But this is Jesus saying it. We can be hypocrites just by... Judging what I see him doing, I'm picking, this is my husband, I'm picking on my husband, so I don't pick on anybody else. I, I, I told Judy to come up front, I was going to pick on her too. No, I wouldn't. I don't know why I start making jokes when I get behind a microphone, but it just comes out. But if I'm picking on him all the time, I'll tell you a secret. This is not really a secret. This is what happened. Years ago when we were first married, am I out of the camera? We, uh, I was—I don't know what I was picking on Roger about. It was something he had done or something he said. And all of a sudden, my husband bends over. He picks up imaginary rocks and he's throwing them back at me. I said, "What are you doing?" He goes, "I'm throwing back the rocks. You're throwing at me." We bust out laughing, and we haven't done that since. <laughs> you can use that. That worked. We cannot we got to remove we got to let god by the grace of god we got to let god remove but you got to be willing cuz you you can come up here and lord take this problem take this problem fix this do that and walk away unchanged because there's a root to the problem god wants to pluck up roots so he can plant His love. So then out of us comes the love of God towards our fellow brothers and sisters. Is it easier for you to see the wrong in someone else than in your own life? Come on, yes. Of course it is. The Bible even tells us it is. But that's, that's where we have to be willing to allow the Holy Spirit to show us where we're really at, right? Where are you really at? Like the Lord said, why are you here? We're here because of Jesus. And Jesus is messing with our business today. You know why? Because he's coming back for a bride that's without spot or wrinkle. He's not coming back for a crumpled up, wrinkled up body. He's coming back for a body, a bride that's been purified through fire, washed in his blood. He's coming back on a white horse in the end time when the days are after, you know, we're all beamed up. <laughs> Come on, that was funny. <laughs> He's coming back with fire in his eyes on a white horse with the word of God. The double edged sword's coming out of his mouth. And we say, Come soon, Lord Jesus. Are we ready? This is where the rubber meets the road. This is how you build a firm foundation by walking his words out, which basically he said, Love your neighbor as yourself. One line. I could have just put one line up there. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do you love your enemy? Here we go. This one's hard. I'm like, Lord, do I really love my enemy? Who's my enemy? Do I love my enemy? Matthew 5, 43 and 48. You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. You know your enemies are the people that aggravate you, the people you kind of grumble about, the people who maybe you think you're better at than. That that's not that's not how we're supposed to be. We're supposed to love. It's not easy. I'm not up here thinking I got it all together. This is is wrecking me. It's been since January. Like I said, read Romans 12, 9 through 21. Prayerfully read that. If there's time, we're going to read it. Because that is where the rubber meets the road. Do you love without hypocrisy? Do you love your enemies? Do you only love the people who are in your group? If you only love the people who are in your group, that ain't Jesus. He went and had dinner with sinners, prostitutes. He didn't go into the you know, if I'm sure a Pharisee invited him at least once, they didn't like it. They didn't want him there, because he loved the unloving. He loved the stinky people. He loved the people who are hard to get along with. He loves you. He loves me. We can be hard to get along with, obviously, or my husband wouldn't have been throwing back my rocks. (laughs) But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Now, that's not cussing curses. Those are people who speak ill of you, who say nasty things. People who curse you are people who are saying negative things about you, not just to your face, but to anybody else. That is not God. Do good to those who hate you. That's a hard one, too. But is anyone else squirming here? Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those. Let's look at Facebook. Let me, let me just jump here for a minute. If you have become political on Facebook, better watch out because God didn't call us. Yes, we should be political. We should vote. But he didn't call us to fight on Facebook. He didn't call us to do that. They don't hear you anyways. Don't think they're reading that. Come on. If you think they're reading your post because you had something great to say that was against their political rants, I'm sorry, they're not. They're just doing what I do. Fling. I've learned to just scroll. Just let it go. Because God, I told you all this. During the whole Trump thing, the Lord told me, Annette, I didn't call you into politics. I called you to preach my word. Oh, sorry, Lord. I had to get off of the whole Trump train thing. Because... Didn't mean I can't vote. Doesn't mean I can't talk. I didn't need to be just constantly. Anyways, there was, I wasn't in my notes either. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those. Oh, here's another good one. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Getting persecuted doesn't mean they don't like what... They don't like what you say. Getting persecuted is when you're standing up for righteousness in godliness and they're speaking ill of you. I mean, people are being persecuted around the world for Christ. They're not being talked about on Facebook. They're being killed, beheaded, harmed. It's dangerous. We in America don't understand We think persecution is somebody doesn't like us on Facebook because we said something about God. No. Americans think they can say anything they want to anyone they want because we have our rights. We're, we're, We're physically Americans, but we're from the kingdom of God. It's not going to be Americans, Chinese, Russians. um, Those are the only ones I can think of right now. You know, Asians, um, Hispanics, African-Americans. In the kingdom of God, we're one body. We're one body. We're not a bunch of different bodies. And that doesn't mean just in this church, it means throughout the world. He's coming back for a bride, not brides. He's not Mormon, he's got one bride. And he's bringing out the wrinkles in his bride. And to to bring it to where we are today, I'm going to keep reading this scripture, though. 45. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his Son rise on the evil and the good. You know, when I was first, I mean, I've read through the Bible several times, but as I've been prayerfully just meditating on these passages for almost two months now, it's like, Yeah, you do let the sun rise for evil and good. And he lets the rain come down on the just and the unjust. Would I? Truthfully, probably not. I want to say I would. 46. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Think about that. This is Jesus speaking. We know it's in red. If you love those who love you, what reward have you? Well, you have a good feeling because you know they love you, right? Because he wants, he wants you to have more of him and less of you. But you can't have more of him if you're full of you. Did that make sense? You got to be out of your way. I've gotten in my way a few times. Anybody else? I don't want to be in my way anymore. I want the Lord's way. His way is the perfect way. My way gets rocks thrown back at me. So let's bow our heads. If you're listening online and you have never asked Jesus Christ into your heart, Today's the day, because he died for your sins. In Romans, it tells us if we believe in our heart that he is Lord and confess with our mouths, we are saved. So I'm, I'm asking now, if there's anyone in this room, as the Spirit of God is hovering over your hearts, If there's anyone that needs Christ in their heart, you've never asked him, or you need to rededicate, because that scripture passage shows us we we need to be doers. We need to love one another, and we need to forgive. As Christians, we can't say, I can't forgive them. You can by the grace of God forgive